Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the JMO Podcast. I'm your host, Taylor Michaels. Our guest this week, we have, for the first time, we have Kurt Sherado from Bismarck, North Dakota, on the show. We're going to be talking about Spring Missouri River walleye. You're going to hear in this interview, he grew up spending a ton of time on the river, you know, even now, uh, just a super talented, super passionate angler, spends a lot of time up on, on Sakakawea on the Big Lake, a lot of fishing experience. In this show, we talk about the Missouri River, and his, the stories are just so entertaining, and man, I took a, down a ton of notes after this interview. This is, uh, I could have talked to Kurt for, for hours. I just, I, it was painful to have to hang up on him, I'm telling you. I took down so many just notes, just fun notes, just, you know, whether it was um, something that I just didn't want to forget, you know, that he said, maybe, you know, maybe a learning lesson, but, uh, and then some technical information. I mean, Kurt is just, he's just a really, he's just a really great dude that uh, spends a ton of time fishing and he's super passionate about it. And he's very self-made, very, very uh, self-learned individual through experience, uh, very self-aware. He, he absolutely knows, um, you know, uh, what he likes and doesn't like and, and uh, does articulates it very well. So everybody that has any interest whatsoever in uh, river fishing for walleyes is going to love this episode and especially anybody that has any interest in coming back to fish the Missouri River. You know, I could say this, you know, when you when you listen to the, this interview, as I was talking to Kurt in this interview, I was, I was kind of thinking, you know, realistically, I live here in Bismarck. Kurt's probably one of the guys that's out there doing it hardcore now that's been around the longest, you know, that's still doing it, if that makes any sense. I mean, there's, there's so, so much rich history here in the Dakotas and guys that have been fishing for a really, really, really long time. But as far as guys that are still just hammering, guys that are still just like leading the pack, like Kurt, he's just one of those guys that's up in front that's probably been doing it as long as anybody. And uh, I mean, the, the stories really speak for themselves. It just is so fun and entertaining to listen to this guy talk. And so, yeah, it won't be the last time. We're going to have Kurt on a bunch more times down the road because we just have to. I just enjoyed this way too much. So, here is the first installation, uh, Kurt Sherado from Bismarck, North Dakota. Let's get into it here. Missouri River Walleyes, let's do it. Package up your whole fishing career and who you are uh, in the industry. Uh, we'll just start there, man. Go ahead. All right. Well, yeah, things, uh, I got to date back a few years now because of my age. It's starting to creep up on me a little bit, but, uh, no, I grew up here in Bismarck, North Dakota. So I kind of never, never left my home, home grounds or home body of water for that sake. And me living on the Missouri river in Bismarck, I grew up on the Missouri river and that's where I kind of, not kind of, that's where I got started. And, I don't even know why I got started because my family was never a big influence to, to get me going into the outdoors. Um, you know, I kind of lost touch with my dad. He got sick when I was younger. And um, I really only remember sharing one time with him on, you know, when I was a kid, he took me shore fishing on the river and, uh, you know, pretty, pretty memorable. Um, my first trip out in a boat as a kid, I was with, um, some family and we were down at beaver bay knew nothing about it um i remember catching perch and you know i I was a kid and again i still don't know why or whatever drew me to the outdoors whether it's fishing or hunting um i had a lot of friends probably that maybe they they were the, the influences i don't even know but um i don't know as i got going and growing up uh 
uh, a good friend, classmate of mine, his dad had a boat, which was in one of the marinas here, right in Bismarck. And back then it was probably one of the only marinas here that we didn't have what we have today. So it was very old school, very uh, secluded. The, the river was not populated like it is nowadays. We had an old 14-foot uh, Starcraft with a 50 Johnson on the back of that thing. And, uh, I mean, to us, it was, it was the world, you know. You're just uh, That sounds like a riverboat, man. <laughs> and it was, you know. For, for us, we, we were kids um, in high school. And, uh, you know, we, we tore the boat apart, gutted it, and kind of did our own custom design inside to, to make it our own. And his dad would go out during the day. We were in school yet. So then after school, uh, my friend Joe and I, we'd go hop in the boat and run up and down the river. And, you know, I, I think as kids, we did pretty darn good because, like I said, the, the, the technology wasn't there like it is today. Uh, the tools, the boat, the equipment, the electronics, none of that was there. It was old school, anchor down, you know, sit on top of some of these fish. And, and uh, we did good. I mean, I, I look back at what we used to catch and what other people were catching back in those days. And, um, you know, we held our ground, had fun, learned some things. Um I remember pulling my first crankbait as a kid too in, in his boat up and down the river. I mean, I thought we were, we had struck gold, you know, we uh, were pulling number five shad wraps. Uh, uh, an older friend told me about them, never done it before. And uh, we got out and did that for the first time in his boat. We had so many memories bottled up inside that thing. I, I, you know, I, I, I can't let it go. We had, um, some terrible storms here one year I'll never forget. And in the marina, his boat actually flipped upside down, oh. anchored up, anchored up. So he was a mechanic. So <laughs> we got the boat turned back around. The motor was submerged in water for days or whatever. And we kind of tore it apart. He got it running again. And there we went back up and down the river. But uh, yeah, we, we made it our home for, for a lot of years until, I kind of got, got old enough a little bit. I started, I was in my early twenties now and I thought, okay, I got a little money saved up. What am I going to do? And I went and bought my first boat. And that was a Crestliner boat. And I, again, back then I thought I had the world and, uh, you know, we, we, I kept that thing for a lot of years and that's probably what I, I really learned to fish on my own with. I, uh, I would just go out every day. I mean, every day I could. After school, after work, um, we just go up and down the Missouri River and really no, you know, friends would come with occasionally or a family or whatever, not even too often. I'd go by myself quite a bit and um, I don't know, just picked away and I did what most kids probably did back then, maybe even more so than today. I would, uh, I would go to every seminar I could. I would read every article I could. I would do everything I could just to learn something. And, you know, like I said, we didn't have then what we have today. So it was a whole different learning curve and just spending time on the water was, was the best and um, shared a lot of good memories with um, a couple friends. I, I met another gentleman uh, where I worked, uh, I worked for the state back in my early twenties and 
he had an old Mr. Pike and we would just swap off turns. He would take his one day. I would take mine. We'd go up and down the river. We'd fish between, mostly between Bismarck and Hazleton. And, you know, just crash a lot of hours just trying to, I don't even know if I was out there trying to, you know, learn things. I was just out having fun. But I think doing it for all those days, all those hours, it it, it taught me a lot of things. I want to interject there because I'm so interested yeah. in so much you're talking about here. Like for anybody's story like yours, it's really, gosh, I mean, that's pretty unique. That's a pretty custom story into the outdoors, you know, when you don't have, you know, so many of us are just – um you know, spoiled with all that direct family, you know, where you right, have, right. you you know, you, you know, mom and dad are outdoorsy, you know, you've got all your brothers, everybody, you know, that's one comment that, you know, I mean, that's just the easiest, you're, you're, you're getting into fishing and, and, and building that passion, you know, is really self, uh, you know, self-induced and I have a ton of respect for that. Yeah. And, you know, when you talked about your learning curve where you kind of, you you chose to you know pursue the information, reading articles and going. Can you remember any any influential seminars you were at or any information? Maybe you don't even remember who said it, but was was there ever any like information that you just think about today that has sort of stuck with you? Sort of your some of your strategy early on that is just like still part of your game. You know, probably. I mean, if I'd have to sit and think through a lot of it, I, I'd probably say one thing. Okay, so a lot of stuff I did back there, and I, I mentioned earlier, we would anchor down on top of a lot of fish and, and, and catch our fish and do well and do things. And I think as I got a little bit older, I started realizing maybe, and this this the reason I'm saying these things is because it leads to me today. Um, I probably learned that being more mobile was better than sitting all day or, you know, in a couple spots. And we all, we all know that isn't always true, but that's who I am today. I'd, I'd rather, I'd rather run and gun and fish a lot of spots and look for active fish. And that ain't really what I grew up doing or where I started. But I remember fishing a couple of the local tournaments and, and one of the first years I did a lot of running I did a lot better that year. And I, I remember that distinctively. And it was in that same time frame that uh, a couple guys, we kind of hung around with, you know, you'd, you'd bump heads at the boat dock and this and that. You, you just had some other friends you'd run into at the bar or whatever. And one thing that probably stuck out to me is um, a guy mentioned to me one time is you got you to gotta try shallow, try and fish shallower. And, you know, I didn't, you know, I felt I was doing okay where I was and didn't really think much of it. And one day I accidentally got bumped in shallow by the wind, you know, lost control of the boat, maybe it wasn't terrible, but just dumb coincidence. I got bumped in and, and started catching a bunch of fish and I had my fishing partner with me at the time. And, uh, you know, we had a heck of a day. And I think from that day forward, probably and again, like I mentioned, it's probably who I am right now. I probably fish more shallow fish extremely, especially on the Missouri River, than I do anything deep. I mean, typically for me, a day on the river would be, you know, two to 10 feet, two to eight feet, um, two to six feet. Um, and that's still me today. I would still tell people to go do that today. And and I think that was probably one big thing that 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 changed me or maybe if you want to say made me 
better or more efficient on, on the Missouri River or anywhere, even on the big lakes, Sakakawee and stuff, I still do a lot of shallow stuff. So I think one big key was for me to be mobile. Number two, to be, to fish shallower. And number three, back then and still today, probably one of my, my biggest um, words of influence was, was learning to pitch a jig. So pitching a jig put together with shallow water fish and being mobile, that's probably who I am today. And on the Missouri River, that's, that's 90% of who I am now. You know, in the last few years, things have changed out here and things have even changed. Even uh, Let me back up again. When I was a kid, it was a lot different out here because when we grew up or when I grew up, there was a smelt run that ran up and down this river annually. And you could follow that, that run. You know, when I was a kid, everybody started, most people started down south, Hazleton area and the smelt were there. And as those fish moved north, you know, the smelt, the fish would move with them. So you could start at Hazleton early spring and work your way up to maybe the rifle range of the desert and eventually into Bismarck. Well, to a lot, a lot of years, that was pretty, pretty spot on. And obviously there was times and years that, you know, things jumped around a little bit, but that lost track so many years ago that I don't know where it all went, what, what all happened to it, but then it was just a free-for-all. Come spring, sometimes the fish were right up in Bismarck. You would never have to leave. I remember another year that the fish really never even came up to Bismarck. You could catch as many fish as you wanted to south 10, 15 miles, but it was like there was a barricade or a line drawn across the Missouri down by the desert area, maybe north of the desert area. You couldn't catch nothing north of it. I mean, when I say nothing, I mean very few. So there's been a lot of years that this system has gone up and down. Obviously, the the flood year um, changed things immensely. So I don't know. I've seen a lot of a lot of changes on the water. Um, a lot of cycles happen, I think. But backing into my earlier words, what I learned to do back then is still do today and I think a lot of people do it and then there's other techniques that have, have come along and made people a, a better tournament fishermen I'll get, I guess I'll say um, but pitching jigs on the Missouri River in shallow water is still one of the most effective and most fun ways of, of producing you know good quality fish and numbers of fish so I'm loving this. I wish this could last like four hours. I love the stories. You know, I, I didn't grow up in Bismarck, um, yeah. you know, and, and I've, I've been here more than 10 years now, just barely. Sure. And, and so, and I really enjoyed my time here, but any time that I hear, you know, guys like yourself, um, you know, I work for Jason Mitchell, he's fished the sure. Missouri river going Absolutely. way back and the rich history that you guys lived and learned from back, you know, even, you know, 15 years ago isn't that long ago, but, you know, getting back right. 20, 25 years, like that history is just so fun to listen to. And there's just so much to learn. And, you know, I, this is another thing. This is just sort of, you know, any, anybody that I talk to in the industry that grew up or cut their teeth on a major river system, as far as walleyes go, it seems like 
those anglers are pretty multifaceted. River fishing is not the same as reservoir nope. fishing and not the same as lake fishing. And I really feel like, you know, this is my, my, my personal sort of amateur opinion, but I think it's true in the industry the way I look at it. Um, you know, as a consumer, kind of the outside looking in as an amateur angler and the, all the professional tournament anglers or guides or, you know, just people that are influencing the industry. I really, I like listening to the river guys talk about how that has influenced them as they fish anywhere. Can you think of any more of those you know, stories of like what the Missouri River taught you and then maybe you took it somewhere else to find success? Like, apps, like, yeah. And then you, to me, you hit it, you hit it right on the head when you said, I think river and I, I think, so I grew up here. That's still probably my favorite body water to fish, but the river, most rivers I'll say, and I, I, I know this one very well. I think it teaches you to become a better angler because you're dealing with so much adversity. Number one with, if you've never learned boat control, you need to get on a river because now you're not only fighting wind, but you're fighting current. And when the wind goes with the current, it's one thing. When it goes against the current, it's another thing. When it goes across the current, it's another thing. So learning boat control on a river, I think people can can become very much more precise or better at it growing up on a river maybe learning it faster um understanding fish so this river is is a little different too because we we have a lot of sand and understanding where fish locate to ambush their prey you know their bait you gotta, you gotta spend a lot of time because there's no maps that tell you points, humps, um, you know, things like that. You need to go out and just drive on the water. And years ago, one of the very first seminars Jason Wright and I did at the Bismarck event center, and I'll never forget it. And it's probably still one of my favorite and probably most I don't know if I'd, I'd say if I wanted to pass on knowledge to somebody, it was called um, somewhere along the line of reading, reading or understanding the Missouri River. So, and in that seminar, we talked about reading the water and how to look at the water and know what is below it without even driving over it with your graph. There are so many signals you know, on the surface that once you get good at it, you can literally drive up and down the river and almost drive right into the fishing spots. And you're not even, you're just using your graph to check depth. You're not looking back then. You're not looking for fish nowadays with side scan. That's been a huge, huge thing on the river system out here. Depth. Again, I talked, we're fishing shallow. So I'm not really using my sonar to, to look for fish underneath me. I just want to know how deep it is on this current break because what I'm looking at right in front of me tells me that there's looks like a lot of current out here and right on this little oil slick that I see on the water right on the other side I'm hoping there's a little drop off or a little deep or you know a little something so I just take my boat in there and check depth and nine out of ten times that's all I'm doing I'm reading the surface of the water traveling up and down it 
and then using my graph to go in there and just identifying the depth. Well, nowadays, once you get in there, you know, a lot of time we're fishing, what I mentioned, maybe two to eight feet of water. I'm not using my graph underneath me, but now the side scan, the imaging is, has been a fantastic tool for guys that, that do that type of fishing. So reading the water on the Missouri River, I think, again, makes you a way better angler because there's still these structures out on lakes and reservoirs. I still see them on Lake Sakakawea and stuff. They're still differences on the surface of the water that can help you identify you know, there's something going on here and more than likely it's attracting fish in one way or another. So if you can understand that on the Missouri River, you are going to be leaps and bounds ahead of the next guy. And it's, I don't know, spending a few days out there is is the biggest way, it's the only way to learn it. You're not going to learn it unless you just go spend time doing it. If you have any fishing memory that you would like to commemorate or have questions about commemorating a fishing memory with a replica made of any fish that has ever graced your net, get in touch with Rizavi Fish Replicas owned and operated by Jamie Rizavi over in uh, New Rockford, North Dakota at Rizavi Taxidermy Studio. You can find them online at RizaviTaxidermyStudio.com or find them on Facebook at Rizavi Taxidermy Studio. You can see the pictures here at the JMO headquarters in Devil's Lake. We have some phenomenal replicas made by Jamie and his crew hanging on our walls, which we absolutely love. They look absolutely perfect, just like the fish that were reeled in that day. And every chance we get to go in and admire them and tell those stories and share those stories with each other, we absolutely do. Again, if you want, or if you have any questions about getting a fish replica made to commemorate any great trophy memory you have of fishing, Get in touch with Jamie Rizvi at Rizvi Fish Replicas. You won't be disappointed. I've heard this said plenty of times by guys that you know have been around for a while that you know a, a good river system is probably one of the best places still, best fishing opportunities uh, still to this day, especially with walleyes, where you know somebody that doesn't necessarily have a lot. Uh, of electronics it, it's still one of the best opportunities to go because all the keys to success can still be processed just by your eyes Absolutely. and ears and 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 just Absolutely. processing it like like if you you know could go back and you still had that you know that 14 that 14 footer <laughs> with um you yeah, know the 50 yeah. before it got flipped over um you know anchored up there you know Talk me through that now. Do you ever self-reflect on that and just, you know, just romanticize what it would be like nowadays to just get right back in that same deal? You might want to keep that spot lock on there, you know, like that might be something you don't want to give up. But um, but yeah, like, you know, just just self-reflecting on, you know, where we've come to this day. Still river fishing is it, it still has the it's still at its root you know, still kind of the opportunity that it once was. You know, we have certain features, but but man, Absolutely. I just I just love Hearing your guys' perspective on that's the kind of stuff too. Well, and I, I I grew up with the little old boat thing. And I'm I'm actually probably gonna get somewhat back into that again because I've been fortunate enough lately to um have an opportunity. Well, right now, so so my boat is kept up at Lake Sakakwean. I don't have it back here, so I wanna get back into another smaller river boat. And for me it's gonna be fun. When I find that boat, nowadays it's kind of tough to find those darn things. 
that aren't through the roof, but I, I want to go back to a smaller river boat. I don't need to go 60 miles an hour up and down it anymore. Um, I just want to go back to where it was, throw some basic electronics on it, and, and it's going to be fairly old school. It really will. The only thing, again, my graph, even nowadays, if I have my current boat out there, 90% of my navigation is just visual. I go up and down the, the water looking at shorelines, looking what's in front of me and glance at my graph every now and then to make sure I'm in good water. If I get a trail run once or twice, I'm good. Um, and again, then 99% of my navigation is all visual. And it's just, you just get, you just get to know what the water looks like. And, and those fishing spots are so visual. Um, it's, it, to me, it sounds rel- it's, it's relatively easy. Um, but then to some people it's complicated, but it's, I think it's just been so second nature for me that, um, I'm not saying I can find everything out there because I can't, there are other guys that are, that are better at it. No question about it, but, um, it, it, it's fun. It's interesting. It's kind of, it, to me, it's fun teaching people that if they hop along and want to go out on a, 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 you know, run down the river and learn a little something. I, Jason and I used to do it a lot with people. We, I, I love taking people that want to learn something about it. You know, um, it's, it's interesting to me. It's fun to me. It's fun to talk about. Um, and it, it's, it's fun to teach and, and you don't need a lot of fancy tools to do it. You can get by with, with next to nothing. And that's pretty much how I started. So I think it's kind of fun just to fall back on that every now and then and, and know that you don't need all of the best in the world to, to have fun and, and be successful. I mean, I mean, everybody wants to go out. I think they'd be kidding if they said, I want to go out fishing and not catch anything. I mean, I, it happens, but we all want to catch fish and, and we're going to try our hardest to do that. And some days we're going to do better than others, but I think all those days we can learn to have fun doing it. Yeah. Yeah, totally. When you, you know, in all your years fishing on the Missouri river, what would you say is the most common failure or falter or just the most common thing you see people out in the spring fishing, like doing wrong? You know, maybe that's the wrong word because there's no right or wrong answer with just about everything. But what do you see as being like the easiest piece of advice that the most amount of people ought to know when they come in the spring to fish the Missouri River? Well, boy, that's a tough question. Um, but there's a few things, I guess, that would stand out. And and I'm going to say this in one breath, and in the next breath, I can think of many stories that would contradict what I'm saying and, and what I'm going to say against other people have gone and been successful doing. But I think to each of us, we all, our success stories are different. I mean, a, a What's a, what's a good day on the water for you? What's a good day for this guy? Or how many fish is a good day? I had a great day on the water. You know, we caught eight fish and eight walleyes and two pike and a skipjack, you know. You ask the next guy and, oh, we had a banner day. Well, we caught 25 fish, you know. So everybody's idea of a great day is different. So it's hard to base what, what people are out there to do. 
are, are, are considered good. And I'm not comparing myself to anybody because I just want to go out and my idea of a good day on the water, I 99 out of a hundred days I go on the water, I go out and I fish hard for however many hours I'm out there. That's just what I like to do. I like the search. I like the hunt. And when you find them, it's just that much more gratifying when it comes to catching them. So my idea of a good day of water is it's, it's probably a hard day for, for most people. I, I'm maybe more intense than the next guy, but that's what's fun to me. So still, I probably see, see too many people early on in the spring not taking time to navigate and, and learning to read that water. Too many people go out. I'm gonna I'm gonna probably go maybe against because I, I would just mentioned earlier the Missouri River, um, your electronics, they aren't as key as they can be on, on lakes and reservoirs all the time. But people need to take time to navigate the river. And my first piece of advice would be try and go in a boat ramp and travel upstream for your very first time in case you have any motor problems or your first boat, you know, it's your first boat or your first time out that year, maybe something's not going to work right. I would suggest traveling upstream that if anything ever fails, you can always float back home to the boat dock. Very good point. Holy cow. (laughs) Yeah. So navigate North and take the time to learn the water. People just want to get out there and go bust into it. People don't take enough time to do the basics, the safety, um, to ensure a good day, a safe day, maybe not land on a sandbar, bust a prop up or a skag up or something like that. Navigate north, take your time, you know, do your thing would be my first words to somebody. The second part would be still I would tell people to learn, take the time to practice fishing shallow now usually right at ice out that's not always the best words of advice um, because i think a lot of times at at early ice out on the missouri river fish are staged in certain areas and a lot of those areas are community holes and i think even even lakes and reservoirs we all know there's community holes and a lot of people go to them well a lot of times nowadays on the missouri river in the spring those community holes are sometimes the best places to go. And, and you may have to battle with a boat or two or 10 or 20, but it doesn't take long and those fish start scattering. And now where those community holes are, you can find fish almost everywhere. But again, you've got to go look for them and you've got to go use those eyes and read the water and go up over the shallow sandbars into these little holding pockets of, of water that are fish are staging behind. Um, so yeah, there's just being, being mobile is, is, is huge out there and learn how to cast a jig, learn how to pitch a jig, whether it's two feet of water or 10 feet of water, the principles all the same, but learn how to do it and, and get, get good at it. And it, to me, it's probably one of the hardest techniques to get good at, but, um, there are good jig fishermen, then there are really good jig fishermen. So um, it's worth your while. It's effective anywhere in the world. Um, ocean fishing, 
salt water, fresh water, lakes, rivers, reservoirs. It's just a it's just a killer technique, and it's my favorite. Generically speaking, if you're gonna pitch, uh, you know. If you, I don't know if you've got one setup or maybe you've got ten setups. Like, how specific do you get with your your setups to have ready going into the spring for the Missouri intended for the Missouri River? Like, how many setups do you have? Like, just knock well, knock them I, out. Yeah. So uh, another little story, I guess we tell a lot at seminar is you can't. A lot of people can relate to golf. So most people that golf you go out there with a bag of clubs. I mean, you got anything from pitching wedge to a sand wedge to drivers, two or three of those and, and every wedge in between. So you can't really play golf with one golf club. And in my mind, you can't really go fishing with one fishing rod. And I'm not saying you have to have a hundred of them, but you have to have different rods for different applications. And if I tell anybody, I'm going to tell them, You don't have to, but if you're going to spend the most money, spend the most money on a jigging rod. And my opinion on a jigging rod might be totally different than yours. And for the Missouri River, I'm going to tell somebody to look for a six and a half to a six foot nine medium, medium light rod spinning reel, a smaller spinning reel with six pound monofilament line. I'm not a big, I love fire line in certain applications, but when it, when it comes to pitching the jig on a Missouri river, I'm going to tell you to use six pound high vis mono, um, either like a Berkeley sensation. I use some of their, either their high vis, uh, orange or their green in, in whichever it's got to be a high vis line. And for me, it's got to be mono. Um, how many setups do I have? A lot of mine are very similar. So I might have probably three of them on the deck of my boat. And most of mine are probably varying in jig weight, not jig color. I'm, I'm, I got my few favorite colors. I think color is probably less important than, you know, your application. Some days it has its moments, but I probably keep three rods handy, ready to go. And mostly with either a three sixteenths or a quarter ounce jig on. Now, if you're a veteran, that's great. But if you're just starting, go heavier, for sure. Go heavier. You need to feel what's going on first. You know, start with for sure quarters, maybe three eighths, I guess. So then from there, you're going out. And again, we're visually looking for these areas. Most situations um you're going to place your boat in in the deeper edge of these waters anywhere from six to ten twelve feet and pitch your jig into two feet a foot of water i mean we we've literally had fish bite set the hook and you can see their tail come out of the water it's that shallow so you're going to be in deeper water casting into shallow. And I, I always tell people you need to visualize what's under there. So I got a boat in 10 feet of water. I'm casting into two feet of water. So now I, I, I draw a picture in my mind that this bottom of the river is going from two feet to 10 feet under my boat. And you got to visualize your jig bouncing from two out to three, out to four, out to five and, and working that depth back to your boat and just, trying to get that uh, that feel for the bottom and and there's cadence that we all do different and and that's the good and the bad things 
with with people. Um, it's it's learning your own, finding your own pace, what works for you. And and I tell them, I said, now think about what you're doing. Now you're covering a depth from two all the way out to ten feet. You're searching for fish. You know, it's it's like trolling crankbaits. You're 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 trolling with your electric up and down these areas. So you're you're moving north and south but I'm also pitching shallow and coming out deep. I'm trying to find fish. And, and they tell me, I started getting bites in maybe six feet out here. So now we can start focusing on that, that little bit of water. So you're, you're doing a lot of searching. It's a searching technique that I think is very effective and you cover a lot of water with it. So um, keeping those rods ready. Um, gosh, we could go on and on about this whole little, this, big little topic we're starting on um yeah we don't that, have yeah i know i i know it's like we don't have enough time to go to like three hours talking about right deep and i on could jigging, I mean, but, absolutely oh yeah 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 and one thing that comes to my mind is because i feel like i feel like there's different sort of answers to this depending upon where it's you know where the source of the information is coming from in terms of a body of water a fishing scenario but for you jigging on the missouri river you talk about you know, if somebody's maybe just building their confidence in pitching a jig, um, and in all honesty, you know, like a lot of guys probably, including myself, I don't probably have enough time on the water to understand what true confidence is. I might have some false confidence because I've caught a few fish pitching a jig, but uh, and fishing with confidence is important. But for you, looking back on the years, you really have developed your 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 skills your strategy your confidence in in your jigging um techniques in the spring on the missouri river you know you talk about if you're experienced maybe you kind of have a few a, a little bigger repertoire you you know you can use lighter jigs at talking about Absolutely. the feel is yep. there what would you say is the honest benefit to graduating towards that i mean if i get confidence in a quarter ounce jig why don't I just do that for 10 years? You know, well, what would you say is well, that, that, that hyper finesse? Like, like what, what does that really get you? I'm, I'm not even saying that lighter is better. I'm, I'm, I'm going to tell somebody that lighter is sometimes better depending what the fish want, because I used to fish with a lighter jig more than I do today in the same depth of water. But it kind of depends what the fish are telling me they want. I mean, that lighter jig is going to fall slower. So that might be the only difference of why I have a couple different jigs on. And obviously if it gets windy in the weather, if I got a perfectly calm day, I can get by with a couple different things real easy. But on those days when the weather turns bad, regardless, I have to go to a heavier one. Otherwise I'm not effective at all because I can't figure out when I'm on the bottom and when I'm not. So I don't think that people need to think I need to go lighter. I just think they need to figure out what the fish are going to tell them and fish with a jig that are, that is, that is comfortable where they're at. And as long as they're getting bites and they're being, you know, I, I always, you know, the people I fish with, friends, it's like, I want to figure out why he's catching fish and I'm not. Is it his cadence? Is it the size of his jig? Is it the color of his jig? Is it the plastic, the live bait? I guess I'm always just trying to figure out why they're liking what they're liking today. To me, that's intriguing. Um, 
And then if I'm not doing good and he is, I'll, I'll either try and match what he's trying to do with the color, with the size, with his cadence, um, all of that. And I just, it, it just interests me to try and figure out why these fish are so different on different days. And I don't, I don't think we'll ever know. But it, to me, it's always fun just trying to figure out that puzzle. Do you feel like that has kind of, that you've always kind of had, you know, that learning that, you know, the, the fishing is a challenge and, and every day, you know, you can learn something. Do you feel like you've had that attitude or, or that strategy towards fishing since forever? Has that been easy for you? Because I feel like that's not super easy for a lot of people. A lot of anglers probably, you know, maybe overvalue their own skills and they don't pay attention very often. It has, I think, for me, and that's why I said for me, a fun day of fishing is probably a hard day for a lot of people because most of the time I go, I go all day and I fish hard. I fish long, long hours. I just, I just like it and I want to figure things out and it's just, it's gratifying. I mean, I've, I've spent many hours out till two in the afternoon and had a horrible day. Then all of a sudden, bam, you figure something out or you find something and it's just, man, it's, it's, it's rewarding. It's, it's very rewarding. And that, I guess that makes me feel good. Um, so I've always had that desire and drive to do it. And I've always, you know, fished with a few friends that, that kind of feel the same and do the same. We, we kind of feed off each other in, in one way or another. And for me, whether it's fishing or hunting, it's, it's, it's good to have, you know, my friends have always been that type of people to where I could feed off them or they could feed off me, you know, one way or the other. And it just keeps us going. And, and, um, again, to me, that's what's enjoyable. And to the next guy, I don't, I don't want it to be, I don't want it to be work for anybody. They, they need to find their own pace and their own interest level and their own skill level and just be happy with it. If they're content with where they're at, they just need to go have fun doing it. And if, if um, being the best angler is what you are, then you just gotta, you just gotta keep pushing yourself to learn and don't be, you know, there's, there's so many people I, I felt over the years of doing seminars that I think some people feel that they're, they're too good to learn something. I've always kept my, an open mind to that. Cause I really feel if I can go to a seminar and learn one thing, I'm, I'm ahead. And that's all I ever tried to do as a kid. I, I just wanted to learn one new thing. And, um, I think if more guys were open-minded to that, um, they would become better at, at, at their skill and just, uh, you know, we can always learn from each other. Oh man. Yeah. That's my whole obsession. And that's what this show is all about. Like I think every single show, every guest that we have on, I get I have dozens of notes. I'm the fortunate one. I'm the one that gets to be here for all these conversations and I get to write this stuff down. I am so spoiled and I it is not lost on me. I wake up every day and just pinch myself to to think of all the knowledge that uh that has uh you know come to me uh that I hardly deserve whatsoever. But yeah, it's like once I realize those things for myself of of you know learning and and just have a passion for learning and Work, yeah. work hard for it earn it there's so much reward in that and 
man, just this conversation. This has been a lot of fun, Carl. We're definitely going to do it again because, For you sure. know, just talk, telling the stories and gaining that perspective. So much good information about the Missouri River. And I look forward to doing it again for sure, man. But um, Absolutely. To, yeah, to sign this off, man, promote. Anybody got any questions? Let them know if they can reach out to you anywhere or, or uh, just anything you want to throw out there as far as content, anything you want to promote. I mean, no, I mean, just, I, I, I just want to promote good, good fishing to everybody. Just uh, go out, enjoy yourself, find what makes you happy, get out there and do it. Life is short. Fishing is excellent. It's a, it's a great thing we have the opportunity to do. The North Country is the best place to do it. Um, get out there and, and, and have fun doing it and be safe. Right on, man. Right on. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. I'll let you back to it. All right. Have a good one. I appreciate it. Thank you.